0: I'd always pair anxiety and like depression into like, like a physical like a physical like not object but like a physical thing where something causes that. For me, there was nothing that I felt like was causing. The, the anxiety and depression that I was having, so my doctor prescribed me some like medication for me to take for my anxiety and depression. And I told I told my doctor like I'm not taking that. I'm gonna find another way. And then I got into uh, meditation. I went to a, a temple in uh, Santa Clara. And um, I was doing like these uh, weekly meditation group and it helped me out a lot. And I was on a meditation forum on Reddit and um, there was a movie that came out called Minimalism and I watched it and it kind of, it kind of changed my view on like the stuff that was around me and like, oh man, I have like so much shit. And uh, that's kind of how it started with the whole minimalism aspect of, of my life and since then it was really that documentary that kind of changed my life and um since then i just lived a, like a minimalistic lifestyle
1: welcome to the millennials and money podcast the podcast dedicated to encourage millennials to make wise decisions with their money we find some of the best ways to learn is through stories so each week your host and financial professional Payne Boyer, invites a millennial guest on the show to share the money story thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Millennials and Money Podcast. I'm your host, financial professional, the Holmes Financial, Peyton Boyer, and today I got a very special guest with me. I have Mr. Rich Boost, Rich Busto. Say hello, Rich. What's up? What's up? Yeah, so Rich, I normally start the show by showing how you and I know each other, mm-hmm. but in this case, you're actually you know I don't praise. is our first time actually meeting one yep. another. You're mm-hmm. you're a friend, a cousin of a returning guest of a previous guest. Mm-hmm. Mr. Uh, Mr. Brandon Buentipo. Yeah. So yeah. during Brandon's uh, podcast, he was talking about how he was getting his finances in order. He talked to his cousin who was a software engineer with LinkedIn, yeah. who did all this and had him read all these books and ha- had him really start down the path of financial wisdom and financial mm-hmm. literacy, which is which I'm huge on. Like that's my clients who know me; they all know I'm all about empowering them to make wise financial decisions. So I was like, yeah. Well, I asked Brandon, Brandon, hey, I'd like to meet this guy.
0: Yeah, right on.
1: He'll come up with you on LinkedIn. Um, you also host a podcast. We'll touch on that a bit because to yeah. an episode of yours and I really enjoyed it. Oh, thanks. Um, but that's all you and I, as far as you and I go back, why don't you introduce mm-hmm. yourself, share what you do, a little bit about yourself, some of your passions.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, Again, my name is Rich Bustos. Um, I was a software engineer. I was a software engineer for about, I want to say, a little bit more than eight years. And how I got there was uh, pretty special as well. Um, I joined a program right after I graduated high school. I joined a program called Year Up. Um, I'm not sure if you heard of it, but it's a program that helps uh, underconnected youth um, find their passion in life. So unfortunately, like for me, um, I didn't really, I wasn't very good in high school. I was like a CD average person. The only reason why I graduated is because I was into sports. Um, so I barely graduated high school. So after I graduated, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, fortunately, I found this program called Year Up that kind of helps you steer into a, a career path. And that career path was in IT, um, information technology. So the program consists of the first, first six months, they teach you computer technology skills, such as, you know, fixing a computer, changing RAM, um, how to fix a computer if it's broken, things like that. And the following six months, they put you into an internship. And I was lucky enough to get an internship at LinkedIn. And during my internship, I was fixing employees' computers. um, And I kind of like it was a great first job for me, but I kind of want, I wanted to learn more. And uh, luckily I met a software engineer in the company and um, I told her I was in this program called year up. I'm only here for six months and, you know, I want to learn what you're doing. And this person was a software engineer. So she was writing code for the website and within the internship, I actually uh, learned how to code on the side. And I was kind of the, I was was very young. I was 20 at the time, probably the youngest in the company. And I was known for, hey, there's this kid who is part of this Europe program in the company. Um, He's fixing employees' computers, but he's also learning how to code on the side. And my name kind of got out there within the company. And then the director of engineering kind of took interest of what I was doing. And he wanted me to come in, in for an interview towards the end of my internship for a software engineering position. And, uh, I did completely, I I did super bad on the interview, but he really liked my demeanor. And, uh, he decided to offer me a full-time position as a software engineer at LinkedIn. And I've been there for the past eight and a half years. Um, but to go back, so I was there for, from 2013 to 2019. And then I left LinkedIn in the beginning of 2019 to join a startup called keep Truckin'. I was there for about a year. And then I came back to LinkedIn and in the tech world, they call that boomerang. So I boomerang back to LinkedIn, but overall I've been a software engineer for over eight years. Um, that's kind of my story. And like in the whole corporate world, um, about a month ago i decided to leave linkedin and kind of just focus on my my investments and we're going to talk a little bit more about that so even before i became a software engineer uh, and even though i didn't have the greatest grade in high school or then my focus wasn't in school at all i was always i always had that investor mentality um, my dad and my parents, actually, they really incorporated investing in a super young age. Um, when I was in fifth grade, I already read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, are you familiar with that? I'm sure you read *of yeah. uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's kind mm-hmm. of where we're going to go next.
1: Yeah, so I'm glad you went there, man. I'm glad you started talking about what money was like and the things your parents instilled mm-hmm. in you from a young age because that's where the show always starts, man. I'm going to start there with, you know, I find, and of course these things can always be changed, but I find the foundation for someone's kind of mindset around money gets placed at home, gets put in Mm -hmm. place at home at a young age in childhood. Mm -hmm. Of course, those things can always shift and change, but that's where that foundation really gets laid. So what Mm -hmm. was money like for you and your household as as you grew up?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, man, I'm trying to date back to like where it all all began. But um, so I mean, my parents, they don't work, you know, they don't have prestigious jobs. My dad is a parking attendant. He still is a parking attendant right now. My mom works at a dental office pushing papers. Um, they you know, but they always instilled in us. It's like, not it's not how much money you make. It's how much money you save and invest. Um, so that was kind of always the, the rule set around the house was like, when you make money make sure you save it or you invest it, um, all the money you make, you keep part to keep, and then the rest you, you kind of invest. So I've always had that mentality. Um, and since then, like, I remember going, so my parents, they, they enjoy vacation. They like to go to like Reno. I live in San Francisco, so you can imagine the drive from, uh, Actually, I live in Daly City, which is like 15 minutes away from San Francisco. But the drive from Daly City to Reno was about four hours, and in those four hours, we'd we'd listen to cassette tapes by Robert Kiyosaki, <laughs> and uh, it, that was kind of like my that was like my childhood into investing. Even though I wasn't paying attention to it, like when I'm sleeping in the car, I just hear it in the background. So it was always there in the background. Um, but as far as like that's how like what to answer your question, what was money like growing up? It it was that, I mean, as a kid, I wasn't making money, but by the time I was making money, all those, all those stuff that I learned was already instilled in me. And it was just like clockwork where when I started making money, I already knew what to do with it.
1: I think that's powerful, man. I really want to give a shout out to your parents for doing that, especially being minorities. It's something that's not Mm -hmm. talked about. Money's not talked about a lot in a lot of homes. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't like that for me growing up. And the thing is, when we get to a stage and like we start earning money, mm-hmm. so many people get there, like the earning money is just half the battle. Yeah. The other part is what to do with this money now that I have it. You know, mm-hmm. we think so much time, we think so much about the importance of making money. I've got to earn money, I've got to make money. Mm-hmm. But then, so many people, like to, my, to this day, I have clients who are in their 50s who earned a ton of money throughout their lifetime but don't have much to show for it because no one was there guiding them and they didn't know mm-hmm. what to do with it. So I got to give a shout out to your parents, man, for yeah. instilling that in you at such a young age. I'm sure you probably weren't enjoying those cassettes so mm-hmm. much as a kid. Yeah. As a but kid, I wasn't.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm sure you're thankful for them now, man.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um And it's, to be honest, like I, I'm, I'm married now. I'm 29 and I, there was a time in my life when I started working at LinkedIn and I was, you know, I was making a software engineering salary and I was single at the time. And, you know, I wanted to live that whole bachelor life. And I remember my parents telling me, no, why don't you, you know, live here rent free. And why don't you just save your money as much as you can? And it's, it's like one of those, like my parents were always on it, you know, like they always had my, my best interest when it came, came to money. And, you know, like it's, I'm just super fortunate that they had that mentality because, you know, there's like, a, and, you know, I, I would ha- I, I hate to like put like labels, but the majority, you know, I like, especially a lot of my coworkers, you know, right when they graduate high school, or right. When they, uh, have a nice stable job, they want to move out. They want to, you know, rent, they want to go get a new apartment with my parents, they said, no, why don't you stay home, save your money. So when the time comes, when you want to buy a house, you're going to have the capital to do it. Bingo, man. I, yeah.
1: I was going to say that I was, as soon as you mentioned that, I was going to go down the same path mm-hmm. because it's so much of a pressure on people. yeah, you know, like, once I get 18, I want to start earning money. Mm-hmm. I've got to go, go and move out mm-hmm. rather than saying like, I'm going to tell my kids stay here, save yeah. down payment and mm-hmm. then go buy a house. Why well, I'm going to have exactly. pay somebody else's mortgage. For sure, why don't you stay here live rent free? You're gonna have responsibilities. I'm sure you had responsibilities mm-hmm. living with mm-hmm. your parents, but oh, yeah, I'm not going to charge you rent.
0: Yeah, yeah, and
1: that way, that's how you build that continuing generational wealth mm-hmm. by, by allowing your kids to go own property, get some real property. So, yeah,
0: man, yeah. you gotta
1: give a big shout out to your parents, man. They oh, really, no, for sure, you really get for a sure. great job.
0: Oh, right on, man. No, I, I thank them all the time. And the trade-off for for my wife and I living here, because as of right now, we're in the process of uh buying a house, but man, the Bay Area is just so expensive. We already put in five offers. We got we got outbid on all five of them. So we're still in the process of looking. Um but like the trade-off living here with my parents is, you know, I pay for everyone's car insurance. I pay for everyone's um, phone bill. And I also pay for electricity. So it's, it's a good trade-off. And um, yeah. I, I enjoy, you know, helping them out in in that aspect. And you owe it to Amanda, your parents. Yeah. so Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: So, so talk to me about how you fought the pressures of moving out. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know like once, I got once I came eighteen, my friends were all eighteen doing their own thing. We were all yeah. moving out like I yeah. didn't want to be the guy living at home with my parents mm-hmm. so yeah. what what mindset did you have
0: as a young man now so with a young man not moving out How did yeah. that happen? you know I think there were there was multiple i think there were there were multiple things so i it, as cliches, it sounds like I, I don't care like what people, people think. And you could ask my cousin, Brandon, this, like when we hang out with our friends, like I don't drink. So I never feel pressured hey, to, me neither. to drink. Yeah. Like I, I just, I just don't, I like to eat though. Like I'll, I'll go crazy <laughs> and eating. Like I'll, I'll, dude, I, if you're talking, if you're talking about like unhealthy stuff, I know drinking is like unhealthy, but for me to subsidize that I I eat, I eat really bad. Yeah, but for, um, for, oh, me,
1: that? For, for me, it's like, I'm already at I'm already at a level like normal I don't need any liquid courage to to be drunk to have
0: a good time yeah. so
1: yeah. I'm just, I'm just cuckoo being me and for sure yeah
0: no I, I totally get it man and uh I guess to battle that I mean I always I always had a goal in 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 my life like when I started working or even when I graduated high school like I knew that once I get into the corporate world like I don't wa- I don't want to retire when I'm 60. Um, I want to retire when I'm young. So, I think what what helped me was, all right. So, my this is what my parents are telling me like they told me to stay home, save so I could buy a house. I think that was like the main the the motivation factor was like what is my end goal in life? And my end goal in life is not to is is like not to work for the rest of my life. And I think that's what kind of triggered me to like not not move out. And, um, like my goal right now is to buy his house and I'm not doing no 20%. I'm, I'm going to do 50% or above. And that's kind of, that's my, that's my goal set right now. Cause the way I, I don't like debt. I'm, I'm a person, even though they, there are some arguments of like debt, some debt is good, especially when you're buying a home. I, I don't like debt at all. Like I grew up not wanting to have any debt at all. I bought um, real estate in 2016. I paid for it cash and I have tenants there now. Um, and the sh- the non-stress that I have with not having debt is, I think, beats beats the, I guess, the positive of, you know, having good debt, if that makes sense. So-
1: No, it makes yeah. perfect sense. And I, mm-hmm. I talk to people like- everybody, uh, I'm big on passive income. I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. passive income by any means, Yeah. but everybody talks about how important passive income is. Mm-hmm. But when you work, at, because I do financial planning, I work on both mm-hmm. sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I know I have clients who are retired and I have clients who have passive income who still have expenses and I have mm-hmm. clients who have eliminated expenses. They might yeah. not have any real passive income. They might have a pension or some annuities. They're mm-hmm. drawn from but the level of stress is completely different. Yep. Even if you have passive income, but you Mm -hmm. still have some liabilities that you're responsible for. Yeah. You don't have the peace of mind of the same as the guy who says, Hey, yeah. If hits the fan tomorrow,
0: I'm still good. Good. Exactly. (laughs) And I think I, I, I wouldn't trade that for anything. So, um, people who know me they they know that i'm like into minimalism and i'm really in, big into mindfulness and like meditation and all that and the thought of not being stressed is something that i wouldn't trade for anything else like the not having stress in my life is something that i value a lot and i don't want to own something that like say if I lose my job the following day where I have to pay this mortgage every month. So um you know when I told people like yeah the 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 um the investment property that I bought so I purchased a house in Vegas in 2016 well end of 2015 and um I have tenants there and I took out a, a loan for for that home and I decided to pay it off within like five years. And, you know, I had a bunch of people tell me like, Oh, why, why, why do that? You know, the, like, you know, the interest rate that you have on it is slow and, you know, you, um, having the equity in hand, you could probably invest into something else that gives a bigger you know percentage. But then for me, I, I rather not be fearful of, say, if my tenants move out and I have to pay the mortgage that's left. So, if my tenants were to leave tomorrow, I'm okay because the house is paid off. You know, so that's something that that I, I like. No, I completely agree. Yeah. I, I
1: really, I really vibe with your mindset. That's something same yeah. thing I, I talk to my clients about. Is like the peace of mind is priceless. <laughs> exactly, the peace of mind that comes along with a lot of things like. Mm-hmm. a financial planner first thing they talked about is investing mm-hmm. i always start with emergency reserves it might not yep. be sexy mm-hmm. but the peace of mind is going to give you yes you know that hey i lost my job the marks are down i can't pull from my portfolios mm-hmm. but i'm good i got six months of expenses right here in cash yep this will give me time to get back on my feet and for markets to recover
0: mm-hmm. and
1: this is like my approach to planning so i'm so glad you shared yeah. that but let's yeah. kind of hop back into your story, man. Talk to me about what was like after you mentioned you CDs in high school. You got got yeah. into that program. Mm-hmm. What was that? What was that whole process like? Like leaving high school, did you know you wanted to go into software engineering? Mm-hmm. It sounded like you had a mindset of going to corporate America at a young age. You talk, yeah. what, what was it like? What was yeah. the process like coming from the background you came from? Now you're adult. You're independent. What was
0: it like? So, man, I even though it was only like 10 years ago, I feel like it was just so long ago. And I I keep forgetting. I remember I, after graduating high school, I didn't know what to do. Um, I was working two jobs. I was working at Radio Shack and I also worked at um, Surf City, which is kind of like a Jamba Juice. So after graduating high school, I was working two jobs. And at the time I was still investing, even though I was working those retail jobs, I, I always thought like, okay, if I just, you know, work the corporate ladder at those companies, I like Radio Shack, but Radio Shack, rest in peace, is no longer there. So good (laughs) thing I left that place. Um, But uh, Surf City was kind of like a small, small mom, I'm not sure if it's a mom, shop, but I know one dude who owned the Surf surf City that um, I was working at. Um, I honestly didn't know what I was planning to do, but I did have an uncle who worked in IT and um, he was kind of, he was kind of like mentoring me to go into it, but I wasn't techie at all. Like I, I, I didn't really play video games. I, um, I was really big into sports. Um, well only one sport, I I was really into wrestling. Um, so I, I was, I was, I was completely lost after graduating high school, but fortunately I found the the year up program, but I honestly didn't know. I didn't know it was going to be a career that I was going to be in for, you know, the, the next eight years, um, so it's, yeah, it's hard for me to answer that question. Cause at that time I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. I just knew I didn't want to work for the rest of my life.
1: So talking about your, so you were investing, even when you were just right out of high school, you already began investing. Yeah. What were you investing in? Were you, what were you using yeah. to invest? What platforms? What, what, what were you using? just buying individual stocks? Meet yeah. your what was your investing approach?
0: Yeah. So I, I'll actually take you back. So on my 18th birthday, I, the first thing I did was I went to, um, Fidelity and I opened up a stock brokerage account. Um, like, like I mentioned growing up, I already knew that I wanted to like investing was going to be the thing that sets me free from the rat race. Um, so when I turned 18, the first thing I did, I went to Fidelity. I opened a brokerage account and, uh, the first stock that I ever purchased was Disney. At the time, and I put this on my Twitter a while back, it was like the very first purchase that I've ever done for Disney. And I think at the time, Disney was, I think $24. Um, So yeah, so I was buying individual stocks. It was stocks that I really was somewhat either passionate about or something i knew about so disney was one of them i was like i'm a big disney fanatic and i want to say fanatic but like as you can see i'm wearing like a disney like crew neck that my wife and i uh got when i went to disneyland what like three four months ago um but i was always into into the movies and this was like prior to them uh owning marvel right so uh, i'm a big like comic book uh nerd but uh yeah this, like i bought disney even before they purchased the marvel rights yeah
1: so so th- 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 like that's what i like about when it comes to investing like i'm big on just like diversified mutual fund portfolio mm-hmm. for retirement for me for my retirement plan clients mm-hmm. so it's it's good diversified mutual fund portfolio that we can track Mm-hmm. But for investing in individual stocks, like it's got to be something that you believe in. Yep. So, and, and, and my approach to investing in stock is long-term game. Oh, same here. It's, it's the long-term game. Like companies I know are going to be here tomorrow. When I'm advising mm-hmm. on my clients, if it's going to say, if it's going to say, um, I lost the, I lost my train of thought, but don't worry. Oh, no worries. I'm not going to advise in my clients to buy, like the next weed company that came out. I'm oh, not gonna yeah. yeah. Or
0: GameStop or things yeah. like
1: that. It's like, no, it's got to be research. Or something that mm-hmm. my client has to understand too. Mm-hmm. There's, a few, there's a few ones that I will just kind of like, I have the, my 20 stocks that I watch mm-hmm. that I will show my clients that this is what I'm investing in. Mm-hmm. But then it's if they come to me table and they've got to know how to research it. So talking about w- what's some of the steps you took when it came mm-hmm. to picking out a stock other than you know, I like this. Did you research it? Was it something you yeah. believed in? What was the thoughts there?
0: It was mostly stuff that I believed in. So my first stock that I purchased was Disney. Um, and in between from from that, from, was it if it, 2008 was when I opened my first stock brokerage account from Fidelity from the time of like 2015. Like I, I, I have a blurred like vision of what I actually purchased, but I knew like um, Disney Facebook, Twitter. Um, were kind of like the main stocks that uh, I purchased. And there are some other stocks that I added in, like I have Roku. Um, the reason why I bought Roku is because every single house, uh, every single room in this house has a Roku device. So I purchased Roku. Um, uh, I bought Nike because I, I enjoyed their their product. So things like that. And like, I have some gold stocks because inflation, things like that. So those are kind of the things that I pick. But, you know, to be honest, I don't really... I don't dive deep. I know there are some people who are like, you know, they look at the charts and they're like, oh, this quarter is like, it did really well. And, you know, next quarter, they're probably going to do five times that. I don't really know this stuff. It's just stuff that I like because I've noticed. And it's, I mean, it's hard to say because in my lifetime, I've only been into like uh, stocks or investing in like what, maybe uh, a decade, but I've noticed that Regardless of what you purchase, if you just dollar cost average over time, it's going to increase. So I, for me, it doesn't matter. Like I bought gold stocks and like, I, I couldn't tell you at that time, like, oh yeah, this is going to like do five times, but over time, it just, it just does four, five times because I just dollar cost average and over year over year, just increases and things like that. So yeah, I don't really, really look in deep into like the charts or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I'm the same way, and I'm big on dollar cost averaging as well. Mm-hmm. Like, and building those habits. So let's kind of talk about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so you were investing like pretty much right out of high school. As soon as you turned mm-hmm. eighteen, mm-hmm. you were investing. You began dollar cost averaging there. Yep. And then you got on in LinkedIn, and you started making yeah. a lot more money. Money. Mm-hmm. So, did, did how did that changed? Did, you, did yeah. you immediately increase your investments, or was mm-hmm. it? Did you just talk about that? What was yeah, that? yeah, for sure. Talk about the life, how you got out on LinkedIn, what that, mm-hmm. and what the transition was like from where you were mm-hmm. to LinkedIn, what was that like?
0: Yeah, no, and I love talking about this because, you know, there there are a lot of times where, you know, people reach out to me like, you know, I just got this pay raise, like how should I invest and things like that. So uh, first I just want to give you like an example of like how much I was making at Radio Shack and when I was working at Surf City. So every two weeks I'll get a paycheck of like, of like $400 accumulative, like every, every two weeks. So $800 a month. And I, since I was living with my parents, I had no expenses. I always invested 50, 50%. So about 400, no, was that? Yeah. So I was making eight (laughs) hundred, Yeah. So about 400 every, every month I was putting into stocks. and I was dollar cost averaging. Then I started working at LinkedIn where my, where my, you know, my, Paycheck was just, you know, was just outrageous compared to what I was making at Radio Shack and uh, Surf City. But I always had the mentality where it's like, if I could live off of four hundred dollars or eight hundred dollars a month, why can I not live the same way as what I'm making now at LinkedIn? So I gotta,
1: I gotta, gotta pause you right there because what I tell my clients all the time, Mm -hmm. I tell them, like, okay, you've been making fifty thousand dollars a year and mm-hmm. you've been providing for your lifestyle because you have a budget. Yeah, you know what your needs are. And mm-hmm. I always say, in my mind, financial success is enjoying your life now where you're tracking towards the future. Mm-hmm. So if you have enough money here to enjoy your life now and put some money away for the future, mm-hmm. and let's say you get your, your $50,000 enough, and now you get a $70,000, you've come mm-hmm. to $70,000 raise, your expenses should not have changed at all.
0: Yep, just, exactly, man. Just
1: because your income went up, your expenses. Yeah. It not change. You didn't have any more kids. You mm-hmm. didn't buy a new house. Nothing changed. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you, so everything I always say: you save to spend, that's mm-hmm. cash, and you mm-hmm. invest to grow. And eventually, exactly. once that savings reaches a certain point, that savings is filled.
0: Yep. Is filled, mm-hmm.
1: And invest everything above that. So, if you're living five hundred fifty thousand, mm-hmm. you got additional twenty thousand. Bam, keep going. And, so yeah. I'm glad, man, I got it. It's got to go back to your childhood, man. And and that Robert Kiyosaki.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, I I just had that uh, mentality. And um, at the time, I I think I was. Yeah. When I started working at LinkedIn, I was still single, um, still no expenses, no kids. So um, once I started making all that money at LinkedIn, I invested so much of it like I was living I was still living off of like the $800 a month. Well, technically about $400 a month cuz I was already um investing 50% of the $800 a month. So I was basically living as if I was living off of $400 and the rest I was either investing it uh but at the time I I was creating an emergency fund. Um so after that everything went to investing. It actually it didn't change until after I met my girlfriend. Uh at the time, girlfriend, who's not my wife. So what, what was that like? Let's talk about
1: d- dating. You're dating young. you, you I always talk about two people coming from two financial backgrounds, merging <laughs> from one financial household. Yeah. It's very rare where two people come from the same background. Yeah. And you guys are in the city. Mm-hmm. For our listeners who are not in California are not Northern California. The city's like the most expensive place. Yeah. In in the world, it's really it's really expensive, and it costs money to have a good time. Yep. You're young. You're dating. Yeah. You might. I don't know if you had adopted the minimalist lifestyle at that point.
0: Not yet. No. Yeah. yeah.
1: So yeah. what was that like? Like wow, it's mm-hmm. expensive to keep somebody mm-hmm. happy. When yeah. Or she or so when someone has to make a shift, or in most cases, both parties need to make. Mm-hmm. A
0: shift. Yeah.
1: What was that like bringing in a partner? on Mm -hmm. this journey that you, 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 that you had already started solo.
0: Yeah. So let me talk about even before meeting my, my wife or dating. So, um, I always kept 10% of what I was making and it's guilt-free money. So I could use that 10% of like, whatever, if I'm going out on dates, I'm not going to feel bad spending this money. Luckily for me, the 10% that I kept saving, I wasn't going out like all the time. So that 10% that I kept saving was actually a big, you know, big chunk of money. So, um, luckily I never, I was never stressed when I was taking, you know, going on dates and stuff like that. But when when I met my wife, so she comes from a definitely a different background than than me um, when it comes comes to money. Um, and I think it was just like repetitiveness where I, I kept you know teaching her about money. Now she's like really good about you know saving money and kind of investing money. Actually, I kind of like handle like all the investment. Side when we combined our money together, but as far as like how it started, it was, uh, man, that was a long process. So I, I don't really know how to dissect it, but it was just pretty much kind of just telling her like what I was doing, and then after I was telling her what I was doing, she would kind of follow up after that. So you don't gotta go as far
1: back and tell us about what it was like, mm-hmm. but why don't you share some things that might be of advice to our listeners who are mm-hmm. around your age? Mm-hmm begin to to bring a partner along on this journey yeah it might be one way one place and the partner might mm-hmm. be another place mm-hmm. just kind of leveling things out and getting on the same page yeah some more advice that you can
0: share yeah so I think one of the things that I did was um you know set a goal like I would ask my wife like what is our goal is our goal to you know rent and never own a house is our goal to you know go to like take a vacation every quarter and like live a pretty luxurious like lifestyle in these vacations? Like, or do you want to like do like just a simple Airbnb or stay in a motel and things like that? So I think once we had that conversation of like what is our goal and like kind of what we want to do when when we're together, kind of set the like the 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 road of uh, of our kind of like financial independency, I guess. Um so some things just like that we would do is like we would just talk about Okay, we don't want to go on this vacation. In order to pay for this vacation, we need to limit ourselves from you know eating out, you know three times a week, you know things like that. I, I love what you're saying,
1: man. Yeah. It, it's, it's like what I'm taking away is just sharing your goals. You got to mm-hmm. you got to be open with the partner, the person who's mm-hmm. on that journey with you. Like if, you, if you're going on a tour, if you're going on a tour of the jungle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to tour on a, You want to know where you're going, like exactly okay, tour guide, At least let me know where I'm going. So if I don't want to go there, I can hop off the boat. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of nice that you kind of shared that with your partner and said, "Hey, let's, mm-hmm. let's, here's the goals that I have. Share me the goals that we have, and let's plan for these things together." And I'm telling mm-hmm. you, when as a couple, when you have unity towards a one goal, and I know you can feel too, there's yeah. nothing that you can't accomplish. It's it's yeah. amazing what you can accomplish when you guys are on the same page. Cause sure. you need that balance, you need that person to balance off. So I'm glad you shared that. Mm-hmm. So I know today now, Rich, you're no longer with LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You're you're I, I you're you kind of semi retired and you're only what 20, 29 years old. Twenty nine, yeah. You're twenty nine yeah. years. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So so what uh, what does life look like for you now? I want to talk talk a little bit about being a minimalist. I mm-hmm. want you to eventually get on about your podcast so I did check out your podcast and mm-hmm. it, I, it's, the the title itself is legit. Being rich, <laughs> yeah. I, being rich—that's that's, hey, that's a, that that is a play on words yeah. right there. I like that yeah. a lot. Man, I listened thanks. to the episode um, with your coach or with the coach on there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I got to give that guy a shout out. I want to give it. I Just used my jujitsu coach. I, oh, nice, nice. I used yeah. to box. I used to box professionally, mm-hmm. and like all the amateurs that won nationals in. Oh, nice. I never, I never had a coach who had a mindset like that guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I, I had never seen boxing as something just fun to do. It's like, mm-hmm. this is my job. But mm-hmm. like, it would be nice to be able to, like the way he sees it, like you guys got to check that gym out. you yeah. um, Listeners, I know we're kind of getting off topic here, going on mm-hmm. a tangent. Mm-hmm. I'm getting some going, going back in time, but no, check Rich. out the Being Rich podcast. But Rich, mm-hmm. talk about what your life is like now, today. Yeah. What, what do you do
0: for your pastime? Mm-hmm. What are some of your passions? Yeah, definitely. And I, I just want to give a shout out to you, Payne, because um I haven't done my podcast in I want to say almost a year now. But this this right here is kind of is burning the, the fire to making me like start my podcast again. But you know, I really appreciate it. Um, so let's see. My so I've only I I left LinkedIn about a month ago. Um, the first week I went on vacation with my wife and my family. We went to Vegas. Um, so to be honest, I haven't been doing much other than working out. Um, I drive my wife to, to work. She's a, a nurse at a UCSF. So I drive her to work, um, go to the gym right after and pretty much just chill. I try to look up the latest, like, I guess technology. I'm still, I'm still kind of interested in like blockchain technology. So I look into that a lot. Um, but since then, I've only, Oh, only had like maybe three weeks since I officially just came back from vacation and just been home. And honestly, I haven't <laughs> been doing much other than just working out. Um, yeah, I wish I had a better answer for you, but that's all I've been doing to be honest is just been working out and just focusing my time with my wife. So, so what do you think the future is going to hold for you?
1: Like <laughs> you're so young. I can't imagine.
0: Yeah. That
1: I, 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 that's five, I was 29, five years ago, you know, I yeah. can't imagine being retired, but what do you, what do you think, you, what do you think the future going to hold for Like what's, what's passion like now? What's-
0: yeah. Um, so, you know, I was talking to my friend about this, so I think I'm going to just maybe take a few, maybe, maybe one to two more months off. And then I'm eventually going to get back into maybe, maybe the corporate world. I, I'm not so sure. Um, I think one thing's for sure is like, I don't want to be a software engineer. Um, I just felt like the stress that it holds being a software engineer is, uh, it's kind of not what I'm looking for anymore. I, I maybe might want to get into to management. Um, but as of right now, it's all up in the air. Uh, I still want to focus my investments. I'm still dollar cost averaging, um, I'm really into the whole crypto space. So I'm looking into like blockchain technology, maybe brushing up my skills in that kind of engineering space. Um, Maybe become a leader at like a small startup. Um, Those are kind of my goals. But I think the end goal for me is like, I want to buy more property. Um, There's this thing in Monopoly. I I keep forgetting the colors, but it's like, you know, buy three red houses and sell it for one blue hotel. Um, that's still kind of the, the focus for for me is like, I, I want to keep buying more properties and then hopefully turn it into like a uh, either a hotel or like maybe have like a apartment complex where it has multiple doors into the apartment because multiple doors mean more, more renters, right? So um, that's kind of still the end goal for me. Um, and then other than that, just like, you know, growing my family with, uh, my wife, I, we don't have any kids yet, but I think that's something that I'm pretty passionate about as well. Um, but as far as like being the rat race, like, I think, I think that ship has sailed. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be in a job where I'm constantly trying to compete with other people and, you know, make putting all my money into like stuff that I don't really care about and things like that.
1: And, and that's cool, man. That That's one thing that's different about us and our generation mm-hmm. and then, than the, in our predecessors, you know, the, 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 the thought of retirement came from, you know, eventually back in the days when I was working in blue collar America, you had mm-hmm. to retire because your body couldn't take it anymore yeah. and you can't just die. So you have to have some money to live exactly. for the next like five years before you die. Cause people didn't mm-hmm. live long. But now, now it's not, we don't have to stop working. Mm -hmm. I love what I do. Mm -hmm. I don't see myself wanting to I'd like to be able to, but I don't Mm -hmm. see myself wanting to stop. So the the thought of retirement is kind of changing and the need for retirement has changed. And now it's like these sabbaticals that people are taking. Mm -hmm. Like, and and I consider you in a bit of a sabbatical period. Yeah, I I wouldn't say
0: retiring. Like, yeah, sabbatical, sabbatical,
1: sabbatical, reposition yourself, Mm -hmm. driven to, towards more passion, but being able to take a sabbatical at 29 mm-hmm. is still a huge accomplishment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So talk Thank to you. us about some of the things you did to, to position yourself in that mm-hmm. way, because, you know, I'm big on having retirement assets. A lot of my clients mm-hmm. have retirement assets, but also having these like sabbatical portfolios that are liquid and mm-hmm. in, in investing. But yeah. investment is still growing for them. They can liquidate to take sabbaticals like this. Mm-hmm. I, but why don't you talk to me about what are some things that uh, that you did throughout that that period to make sure that, Hey, when I'm 29, I'm going to take some time off and make it happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think uh, I didn't get to explain like how I actually got to this point and I didn't get to really talk about like kind of the investment side of things where, what I did to, to get here. But uh, like, like I mentioned, you know, growing up uh, my, my parents instilled to me in investing and saving money Um, when I turned 18 uh, open up my stock brokerage account. And I started um, uh, investing into stocks, dollar cost average, dollar cost average is the winner. Like, please, please, for the listeners do not follow the hype. Um, and then in, when I turned 19, 20, I started working at LinkedIn. Um, they gave me some equity. So I was getting stocks from LinkedIn, Microsoft, and I was still dollar cost averaging into my own stocks. Um and, when I turned 22, I bought my first real estate, um, which was in Las Vegas. Um, I put 20% down and throughout the next five years, um, any bonus I would get from LinkedIn, I would actually put it back into the house. So it, um, I was able to pay off the house within five years and, um, I was getting passive income that way. And from the time I started investing into stocks, until now I've been dollar cost averaging into stocks about two months ago when I was deciding whether I should leave LinkedIn. I just had all the, I felt like I had all the investments and capital that I had to, to take a uh, sabbatical. So I ended up doing that.
1: Yeah. I'm glad, man. And I got it. You're driving on my point of dollar cost averaging. It's Mm -hmm. so hard, borderline impossible to time the market. Yep, you you gotta have that constant market exposure. Mm-hmm. You can't come in and out. And like, I I have a study like, that people always think about like, the if, if you the worst time to invest, literally the day mm-hmm. before the recession, the old recession. That was yeah. in theory the worst time to invest. Mm-hmm. You invest hundred thousand dollars the next day, it's worth like fifty two thousand
0: dollars.
1: <laughs> yeah. To, to, today it's worth over four hundred thousand dollars, and that's yep. just and and that's because you just had that constant exposure. Mm-hmm. And, and that, and if you miss just 10 of those best days in that 11 year period, mm-hmm. your are $400,000 is worth $200,000. Yep. You miss 30 of those days, you're back at 50. You yep. can't, you can't. And the thing is those best days came within 10 days of the absolute worst days. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't know when to get back in. And it's too yep. hard of a game to, it's too much of a gamble to risk on yeah. rather just having constant exposure.
0: Oh, definitely.
1: So I'm glad you, man. I'm glad yeah. you you're making me look smart
0: with my dollar cost averaging. No, dude, you, you're you're the smart If you're if you're the only person talking about dollar cost averaging, you are the smartest person <laughs> in the room. And it's, man, I was about to say something, but totally left my head. But yeah, okay. Hopefully, it comes back to me. Nah, it's all yeah. good. It, it, yeah. It'll
1: come back, man. Because I was yeah. thinking, this, thinking something too. it just left left my head.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But so let's talk about this minimalist lifestyle now. Yes.
0: Oh, sorry. I, before you start. So what I remembered, um, the reason why I dollar cost average is because it's stress-free and that's kind of how, like I live my lifestyle is stress-free minimal. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to cloud my, my brains with any type of like negative, not negativity, but like any type of like stress. So I dollar cost average, there is no stress to it. You just set automatic, freaking payments or not payments but um deposits and you just invest and it's just super stress free and that's how i just live my life
1: and it's easy you know why because the, the reason why you've been able to be so successful mm-hmm. is because you have because you've died cost averaging everything above your needs
0: mm-hmm.
1: so when, and once you have those needs yeah you know, your budget mm-hmm. it's like one of the least sexy parts about financial planning yeah but and, and the reason why I want um decided to have you on the show is because I know you're a minimalist, mm-hmm. and a minimalist is really about aligning buying the things that I really value, aligning mm-hmm. my spending with it with my value. So, to share with us, with listeners, what a minimalist is and mm-hmm. how you got into that lifestyle.
0: Yeah, yeah. And let me start with like how I got into this lifestyle, and it's it, I mean I want to say it's a crazy one, but it, I feel like it's a it's a story where it's like. maybe a lot of people might not know that was happening to me. So in 2015, like I had a pretty, like from outside point of view, I had a pretty, it looked like I had a pretty good, you know, lifestyle. Um, you know, I was working at LinkedIn. Um, you know, I was like one of, one of my, like, I was like the only one part of my friends who, who actually had like a pretty, like nice stable job working in tech. Um, I was living with my parents and I didn't have any like expensive expensive, like taste or anything like that. And, uh, from the outside point of view, and I was traveling, I was traveling the world. Like I was doing these crazy backpack trips in Europe. I was in Japan. I was in like, Thailand and all these other crazy places. So from like, if you look at my like Instagram feed, it was, it was like, it looked top notch, right? Like I was living the life, but then for some reason at my time at work, I had like this crazy, crazy panic attack. And mind you, like, I don't, I like, I find work to be somewhat easy. Like I don't really, I don't really uh, stress too much about work. Um, but for some reason I had like this crazy, crazy panic attack at, at LinkedIn. And, um, I kept getting these recurring panic attacks and it wasn't getting induced by anything. Like my manager wasn't like on my butt or I didn't have any like crazy deadlines or anything like that. I was just, my heart would just be beating super fast. And I was always in the state of like fear for something, but I didn't know what it was. And then I actually, you know, saw my doctor cause I honestly thought I like I had cancer or something like that. Cause my heart kept beating and I was like sweating all the time. And my, my doctor, um, said that like, I'm, I just have anxiety and I thought it was like the craziest thing. Cause I, I, I always thought I always, I always thought I'd always pair anxiety and like depression into like, a, like a physical, like a physical, like not object, but like a physical thing where something causes that. For me, there was nothing that I felt like was causing the, the anxiety and depression that I was having. So my doctor prescribed me some like medication for me to take for my anxiety and depression. And I told I told my doctor, like, I'm not taking that. I'm going to find another way. And then I got into uh, meditation. I went to uh, a temple in uh, Santa Clara And, um, I was doing like these, uh, weekly meditation group and it helped me out a lot. And I was on a meditation forum on Reddit. And, um, there was a movie that came out called minimalism and I watched it and it kind of, it kind of changed my view on like the stuff that was around me. And like, oh man, I have like so much shit and, uh, that's kind of how it started with the whole minimal minimalism aspect of, of my life. And since then it was really that documentary that kind of changed my life. And, um, since then I just lived a, like a minimalistic lifestyle. Um, I don't really own much. I have like three pairs of shoes. One of them is like flip-flops. One is working out shoes and one is like fancy shoes. Um, yeah, if you look at my closet, I don't, I don't have much. Um, so that's kind of like how I kind of tailored my life. And, um, I'm not really into like the big like the big flashy stuff but i do have to say because i've been called out on this um i do own a tesla and for some reason people don't think that's like minimal i guess so yeah i don't know (laughs) what
1: what, like to my from what i've found you know i'm not a minimalist by any means i don't Mm -hmm. i just all i do is spend stuff on stuff i value yeah i don't own a lot of stuff and Mm -hmm. it sounds like a minimalist is similar to that like i'm big on my clients i always tell them like it's not so much you don't make enough money. They, everyone feels like they don't make enough money. Mm-hmm. But it, what it is, they spend money on things they don't really value. And mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out what it is they value. And they, and they never sit down and really figure it out okay, this is what I value. So this is what I'm going to spend on. And that sounds like what a mm-hmm. minimalist is is like, yeah, I can only own this many things. So it's got to mm-hmm. be some things that mean to me. Yep. That means that doesn't mean you can't enjoy your life, like, like like you said, you 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 and your your wife are Disneyland junkies.
0: Yeah, Disneyland's not cheap, but you make it yeah. work in your minimalist lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Like so, we do things that we enjoy doing. We don't do it just for the sake of, you know. Like I don't buy like new pieces of clothing because like oh I've been wearing the same thing over and over again. Like I don't. Like, throughout the pandemic, I haven't bought, like, any new clothes other than this crew neck, because we went to Disneyland for the first time after a year, you know, since the pandemic. So, you know, things like that.
1: And and that that's really gives people power, you know, mm-hmm. to really realize, like, I do have enough. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's, it's not that you're never going to have enough. It's realizing that enough's not that much. Mm-hmm. Like, enough is not as much as people think it is. It's just... Yep. Sitting down there and figuring out what is their value. Mm-hmm. I always do that with all my clients, it's one of the first things that I do, man. Mm-hmm. But That's awesome. hey, we're getting close to the end, Rich. Man, I'm yeah. really so glad that you came on the show. Me before, too. Before we end up, I was gonna end it there, I'm not gonna end it yet because I do <laughs> want to ask you about, yeah. jujitsu. How'd you get in jiu jitsu? Like, mm-hmm. let me tell you this, bro. So, I, I said, so I used to box, I, I've mm-hmm. done MMA before, just, just messing around. I oh, love nice, you guys doing jujitsu i i even submitted a guy and oh nice it's, it's not my thing i don't like that i was like man i'm yeah cool. i'm cool off doing all that but yeah. then i heard your podcast i was like i might have to try to give this thing another shot like yeah. there's so much more to jujitsu you know what i mean yeah like, it's like a whole life mindset rather than just like a so talk about how you got into it and what that <laughs> journey's been like for you yeah you, know, you made purple belt and yeah. on the podcast i think you just you you're Take another sabbatical from yeah
0: yeah
1: so talk to yeah. me about
0: that yeah so i think um so actually i didn't get purple belt i've been a blue belt for for about two years now um uh, taking a sabbatical again but uh I, yeah i could talk about that a little bit a little bit towards the end but how i got into So. Um, You know, I mentioned earlier, the only reason why I graduated was because of sports and that sport was, was wrestling. Um, I was really big into wrestling. Wrestling was my passion in high school. All I thought I was, all I kept thinking about when I was in class was wrestling. Um, uh, Earlier in my life, I was very, very overweight. Um, I was, my freshman year, I was Five four, and I was weighing two hundred and thirteen pounds. Dang. So uh, yeah, so I was a big boy. You and you, were, ju- you
1: were not a minimalist. You were a maximalist. Yeah, <laughs> when it came to
0: food. Yeah, when it came to food. And then I joined the wrestling team, and um, that really changed my life. Like, if I could think about any like turning point in my life, it would be it would be when I joined the wrestling team. And um, by the time my sophomore year, I was already like. 5'10 and wrestling at 152 pounds so you know i lost close to 70 70 pounds and you know i i grew and um so like my my passion was grappling i i loved i loved i loved wrestling and i loved you know i loved the whole one-on-one Uh, type sport and like if I lost it was because of me if I won it was because of me type of thing so and I was really big into MMA Uh, my dad I remember watching one of the first UFCs with my dad and um, my brother's really big into MMA as well so it's kind of like brother and uh, father type of type of thing and um, so after I graduated high school um, there, there you can't really do much in wrestling, unless you go into like the Olympics. And like, I already knew I wasn't good to like go to the Olympics or anything like that. So I decided to join jujitsu since they're very similar. It's, you know, grappling. And, um, I've been doing jujitsu since I graduated high school. So since I was 18 and I was going to a gym, um, I was going there for a while and then I kind of just dropped off Um, cause you know, uh, being in a gym is, is not, is not cheap. Right. So, you know, I also want to live a very frugal life. So, I mean, a gym membership at, uh, for jujitsu or like any type of MMA gym was like a hundred, a hundred dollars. So, so I kept going back, back and forth, um, But, yeah, that's kind of just how it started with jujitsu, And, like, as of right now, I'm still a big MMA fan. Um, I I love watching UFC. I love watching Bellator. Um, I dabbled in Muay Thai a little bit, but my hands suck. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I go to the gym, I go to Crunch and, you know, the punching bags. I I bring my boxing gloves out, things like that. But, yeah, I think I'm just a big fan of, like, martial arts and fighting and things like that. So uh, that's kind of how it kind of – that's how I got started.
1: Yeah, we're, we're going to have to get together soon in person, yeah. man. Like, uh, like I told you, I was like you. I was when I first started boxing, I was five three two fifteen. Yeah. My, my first fight, I was 6'1, six, six, one, 157. Mm-hmm. So, kind man. of, the, this is kind yeah. of the same thing. And That's crazy. Like, and this just, is, just I love the one on one sport. It's like, Mm -hmm. if i lose this guy kicked my ass there's there's, there's no i can't blame him i can't blame no one else here i have no teammates it's i got beat up Uh and like there's and i kind of like that the fact that excuses are eliminated you Mm -hmm. can't blame anybody in this so it's something about that mindset man so i we're definitely gonna have to get together soon man for sure
0: do you follow boxing
1: do you watch yeah i don't follow it as much as i used to as much as i should i i I like i I follow like some of the like the charlo brothers i like them Mm -hmm. yeah i I followed like it's 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 i don't follow as much as i should but i do enjoy it i enjoy the sport i've done some muay thai i actually i like muay thai a lot i like muay thai a lot that 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 that, that is a fun one i might go back to that nice but yeah we'll we'll get together soon man for sure you know, I always in these podcasts the same way. This, mm-hmm. These shows are all, are, all, um, are all about financial success. Mm-hmm. And the words financial success means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. It even means different things to the same people depending on when you yeah. ask them. Yeah. And I think by anyone's standards, you are retired, a sabbatical at 29 Spandacle, years yeah. old is pretty financially successful. Mm-hmm. But in today's world, and today, in your words... Mm-hmm. How I would you describe financial success? Not from a dollar amount, mm-hmm. or from a quality of life. What does a financially yeah.
0: successful lifestyle look like for you? It's it's definitely, and I always had this in my mind, is doing what I want when I want, and whatever I want. Like I just want to just do whatever I want. Like as of right now, I feel like I could kind of do whatever I want. I feel like there's no restrictions. Um, I could go to the gym whenever I want, I could work on a project whenever I want. Um, so things like that. So th- I think that's financial success to me. Um, also just being able to provide for my family. I want to be able to say like, if my family, one of my family members or if my wife wants to eat somewhere, I don't want to have, I don't want to be limited. like, oh, you know, that's kind of too expensive. I want to be like, yes, we can, we can eat there. And there won't be any kind of like second thoughts of like, Oh, this might be a little bit too expensive. Or it's like, oh, this is a little pricey. We could probably go somewhere else. I just want to be able to be like, yeah, we could, we can do that.
1: Well that's good, man. And I think yeah. like even by your standards as right now, you are a financial success. We're gonna have yeah. to have you back on the show when you got a little definitely. rich because I cause I know I know it, I know that uh, some kids are in your in your future at some point, man. I'd love yeah. to have you back on. When, sure. I'm in, when I'm in the city next time, I'm gonna look you up, man. We'll get together. Yeah, definitely are you in uh, Sacramento? I live in Elk Sa- I live in Sac yeah, yeah I live in okay. Grove. Okay, so, cool. I'm I'm going down, I go down the bay all the time. I used okay. to live in San Mateo. So I got Oh, on- nice. Oh. Nice. right there in Daly city so we'll, we'll catch yeah. up soon but i'd Sweet. love to meet you in person
0: yeah man and maybe one day i so my wife and i were actually thinking of who might move to elk grove we're not so sure yet her best friend just moved to El grove from the bay area so i mean that's it might be an option if, if that happens man we should set up like a, a podcast like room and just like just start podcasting all the time dude Let's do it,
1: man. Hey, <laughs> you, you you guys are the ones driving the prices up. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. Sorry about that. Hey, maybe, maybe not El Gro. <laughs> that's good for the homeowners. Yeah. <laughs> but, but all right, man. Hey, you have, you have a blessed one. I right, thank you so, too. so much for coming on. Thank you, audience. I, so I hope you guys enjoyed. I'll leave some, uh, some contact information to find your podcast in the show notes. Listeners, you guys have a blessed week. Thanks a lot and God bless. Painboy is a financial professional with Homes Financial of and Securities offered through Bertha Fisher & Company Financial Services, Inc. BFCFS member FINRA FIPC Homes Financial is independent of BFCFS.